You're listening to Honoring Women of Color in Public Health. This is an official podcast of the Public Health Podcasting Media Network, hosted by Lindsay Smith and Dr. Abram Moreno. In this podcast, we feature women of color who work in the field of community, global, and environmental health to provide support, inspiration, guidance, and mentorship along your journey as a woman of color in public health. We hope you enjoy the episode. We are speaking to April Aviles, and she is in New York. She is a racial equity and public health leader. And we're really excited to talk to you about your work in New York City and your work in equity and inclusion for the Department of Health over there. And then also uh, sharing your study. Um, I know it is time sensitive. You've only got a few days left for data collection, but looks like all is going pretty well with your, your efforts there in data collection for your survey. But um, you know, so today, I guess we'd love to hear a couple things about your work, the importance of equity and inclusion, and also how um, public health workers have been experiencing this during the pandemic, and then finally sharing your research. And so if, if that is okay, um, let me know, and please tell us a little bit more about you. Well, first off, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I'm so excited to be speaking with another April and you know this just gets to the power of networking right and LinkedIn of you know connecting so I think that's a you know such a beautiful thing that we've never met I'm you know on the east coast you're on the west coast but here we are being able to have this conversation so you know that I wanted to point out that that lovely just connection there um all right about myself so my name like as you said is April Aviles uh so I'm currently the Director of Equity and Inclusion at the New York City Department of Health and Mental Hygiene. Uh, I've been there, gosh, for probably like four or five years now. Um, mm -hmm. So in this role, I, I lead much of the agency's internal and external anti-racism reform efforts. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, as you know, the past, what, gosh, it's been, yeah, a year or so, you know, almost two years since, uh, you know, the first uh, health department declared racism as a public health uh, crisis. So, you know, we, we've seen that happen across the country with our, you know, with New York City Health Department being one of them. And, you know, a lot of my work is, you know, how do we, how do we get this, uh, you know, declaration and, you know, ensure that it's not performative? Like, how do we put some action to this, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's, that's where a lot of my, my work stems in. New York City Health Department, it's one of the oldest and largest health departments in the country. So, uh, you know, I'm sure you can believe that racism, you know, it runs deep. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, it is embedded in this institution. So there's a, a lot of work to be done. Uh, you know, not something I can do all alone. But yeah. thankfully, you know, we have a lot of other, uh, you know, other wonderful equity staff members at, at the agency who also, you know, have, have the full focus and full goal of uh, really trying to, uh, you know, help make this agency an anti-racist, uh, you know, institution. Um, so I, I guess that's, yeah, a little bit more of my, my, my background and, you know, on top of uh, working full-time at the health department, uh, I'm also a current doctoral student at the health education program at Columbia University's Teacher College. So I tell you, New York City living here, they know how to keep you busy for sure. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So yeah, that sounds really exciting. 
it sounds like you're doing some really amazing work and very important work. And I love the fact that you mentioned that, uh, you know, the work that you're doing to declare racism as a public health crisis and making sure it's not just a performative thing, that's really important. And also, you know, we do have um, a huge um, increase of roles in DEI or EDI, wherever you are, um, direct directors of equity and inclusion. Um, and I think in many places, it's like, they're kind of cornered, like it's just a checklist and they were offered this job and then like they, they haven't been able to get very much done. It's just, again, like the agency or that region, that jurisdiction just kind of saying, well, we have this person moving on or even these businesses, right? We have this now done, moving on. <laughs> so Yeah, um, yeah, no, you're right. We are mm -hmm. seeing a lot of that. And I, I'd say one amazing thing that has happened here in New York City, gosh, back in October, our Board of Health here in the city actually passed a resolution of nine different action items that, uh, you know, the health department will be doing to ensure that we are, you know, holding ourselves accountable when it comes to you know, our declaration of racism as a public health crisis. So, you know, there, there's a lot in that. And now, you know, that is a, a citywide, uh, you know, statement of accountability for us. So, that that in itself is one thing that I'm you know really proud of the city for doing um, because you know now it now it can't just be a checklist right now we actually have to you know put our money where our mouth is and and you know do this work uh, so it's it's good to I'd say it's it's good to be in a position like this right now uh, you know in, in public health in New York City uh, and just you know trying to change from you know this idea that this is how things have always been done into you know being able to address equity concerns when we first see them so it's uh yeah it, it we're seeing like you said we're seeing just various uh, reactions and experiences in you know dei roles across the country uh, and uh, you know i would say that i am thankful to be at a, a health department where we are taking action and you know I mean I will be you know fully transparent you know some days we take one step forward some days we take 10 steps back right you know that that's that just that's the the ups and downs of uh, diversity equity inclusion work so you know that's something that to always keep in mind uh, but uh, you know there's there's lots of progress being made Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. So tell us a little bit more about the landscape of what's going on in New York City. Uh, maybe a little bit more about some of the activities and the work that your department does as it relates to equity and inclusion. Uh, we, we know that you've worked on uh, making this a public health, uh, racism a public health crisis, and that's really important. And I think still to this day, I think um, I think even our local or state, I can't remember, over here, we haven't fully done that yet as well here in Southern California. Um, and then um, tell us, as we zoom into this, what are some of the issues that you have seen in New York? I can definitely see a few that I've seen in the news, but what are some of those kind of health equity challenges in New York that really stand out right now? Yeah, well, you know, the biggest in the past two years has just been the inequities we've seen uh, throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, right? You know, from, from the get-go, that was something that we, you know, really needed to prioritize. And uh, I, I'd say that's where, you know, a lot of my role came in early on working in the pandemic was, uh, 
being an equity lead for our communications branch in our um, our activation in our activation work. And you know, it was a lot of uh, developing equitable communication, making sure that we're tailoring things to you know different communities, right? We it's one of the diverse, uh, one of the most diverse uh, cities in, in the country with people speaking hundreds of different languages, right? So we really needed to, you know, do our best to, to reach and tap into communities that the, the health department may not have had the, the most, uh, you know, close relationship with before in the past. So I'd say that has been a, a big shift, I believe, uh, you know, in the past two years is really focusing more on, uh, you know, community informed approaches, uh, community development, uh, you know, working with community based organizations, uh, having these community boards, uh, advisory boards, and making sure that communities are, are involved in decision making and, uh, you know, that we can move away from the traditional way of uh, doing public health or, you know, research in general, right, is just going into a, a community, doing what you got to do, and then when the grant funding runs out, then mm -hmm. you're gone, right? And yeah. so it's, it's like, how can we get away from that, that harmful, harmful way of doing this work? So, you know, that's a, that's a big part of, of health equity that I've uh, seen the agency uh, really take strides on. Oh, I love that. And there's just so much to be said about that as well. So like, um, I really want to begin this initiative of like um, ongoing public health. Um, I don't know if it would be like an audit, but more of an evaluation of um, public health as an institution and how we can make that more equitable. And I think that's that's a, a very much needed um, project. And so I think that would definitely add on to that. Oh yeah, you're speaking my love language there. Accountability and account accountability measures like that is that is I love that. <laughs> my God, we have a lot in common. <laughs> we do. We really do. <laughs> oh my gosh! And so you know, um, as we kind of lead into the research that you're working on and the importance of it, um, tell us a little bit about uh, what's been going on in terms of COVID. In terms of, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be COVID, although it most likely often will be, um, and the kinds of um, public health, like, you know, racism and health, health equity challenges that you've seen out there, because we've heard of quite a few. Yeah, yeah, I've, you know, I can use this to kind of segue into the research topic a bit, because, uh, you know, a lot of what you're saying is is very personal to, to me as a Latina uh, working in the public health workforce. Uh, you know, I'm someone who worked at the health department throughout the entire COVID-19 pandemic. So the past two years have really been a roller coaster of various emotions and experiences. It's been tough and, and it still is tough, uh, you know, from just what a lot of folks have had to endure, you know, not even just burnout, uh, you know, and, and, and not just burnout for, and trauma from the work itself, but, you know, we... You know, as a Latina, I know I've been impacted in so many different ways, you know, from seeing folks in my communities having the highest rates of COVID infection in yeah. New York City, you know, seeing us dying at higher rates, uh, that, that impacts us, uh, you know, that the vicarious, you know, trauma of police brutality and the murders of so many black and brown individuals, 
you know, living alone in a Brooklyn basement apartment, right? I was like living alone too during all this in a place where I did not get that much sunlight. So Lord knows that impacted my mental health. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, having folks in my own family as well, you know, passing away from COVID-19. So it, it was personal as well. And you know, dealing with this, this racial awakening as well, right? You know, after all of these protests, uh, you know, throughout this, you know, there came this light bulb that, that went off in a, uh, you know, in a lot of white folks and a lot of organizations and institutions that, oh, wait, now we need to focus on equity. So then, you know, that, that burdened a lot of uh, people of color, you know, and someone who is in, you know, that, that role, like I took on a lot of additional, you know, work and responsibilities because of that. And, you know, this idea of, uh, you know, the minority tax and having to, you know, teach others in our, on our institutions about uh, what it's like to be us or what racism is. Uh, and, you know, that in itself is just burdensome. So uh, I would say through all of that, uh, you know, that, that is really what stemmed uh, or really what this like research topic is grounded in, you know, all of these things that, that you said that you, you know, heard about happening in New York city. Uh, yeah. Like it, 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 it was a lot to be here and, and go through that as, uh, as a Latina and as someone, you know, as a person of color who, you know, has, has to see this impacting, you know, seeing this impact our communities and seeing these inequities, uh, which, you know, have been around and, and exist, uh, but seeing them just, you know, on full display constantly, uh, you know, it, it's a lot, it's a lot to handle. Right. It's very heartbreaking. And, you know, as an Asian American, as an, and as a Latina, um, just hearing about the ways people have been attacked and, um, you know, basically killed um, as being Asian, um, in New York, you know, I'm hearing these news stories that it's, it's scary. And then again, also as a Latina here in um, Southern California, knowing that, you know, on that side of the family, that's where we've seen the deaths. Yeah. It's, it's, it is hard. And like you said, that extra tax. Um, and then as a public health worker, that, I, that diversity tax you mentioned, um, the work that people are doing in the public health agencies like yourself, um, in these fields and then having to, you know, have that personal uh, toll as well. It's, it's a lot. It is just, it's, yeah, it is a lot. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, uh, back in, gosh, I think it was July of last year, the CDC, they published uh, a morbidity and mortality weekly report that showed that over half of the public health workforce was experiencing, uh, you know, symptoms uh, of, uh, you know, a mental health condition, you know, like anxiety, depression, PTSD. And that was huge news. People were like, wow, over half of public health professionals like, are, are dealing with, uh, you know, mental health. And, you know, of that, you know, 72% of folks were reporting, you know, experiencing a traumatic event in the past year. Like that's major, like that, that's huge that, you know, that is a lot of, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of depth to that, uh, that, uh, that per public health professionals are experiencing that uh, I feel like that data, you know, that was just the tip, you know, of the iceberg, especially for uh, folks of color. Uh, you know, it, like I said, you know, it isn't just um, working long hours, um, and, you know, living in this COVID bubble, you know, we were impacted by far more than uh, just COVID. So um, I, I think that's what really, really 
drove me to focus on uh, focus my research topic on race-based stress among uh, BIPOC uh, public health professionals because I, I just feel like there isn't enough data out there yet around all of the various ways uh, that we've been stressed, you know, all the stressors that we've experienced uh, and, and the burnout that that, you know, stems from so many different, so many different, you know, contexts. Uh, and, and I'm hoping, you know, or I, I'll, I'll take a side note and say that I feel like a lot of this uh, work and this topic really stemmed also from my experiences, but also my colleagues' experiences, you know, working at the health department uh, or, you know, people of color in general, we usually have our, you know, circles where we, you know, feel safe and can talk about racism and discrimination and harassment that, you know, we face in the workplace. Uh, you know, people, you know, hopefully, you know, folks are lucky enough to have, you know, folks that they feel safe speaking with around things like that. And so, you know, hearing from colleagues that we're also, you know, dealing with a lot of this as well, you know, dealing with this when we're at vaccination sites, you know, where we're, you know, giving out some of the first uh, COVID-19 vaccines, you know, in the country. And, you know, there's just so many other layers that were happening there that uh, of stress among uh, BIPOC public health professionals. So, you know, a, a lot of seeing and having my own personal experiences and hearing the personal experiences of, uh, you know, my colleagues, I, I wanted to ensure that this information, it wasn't just anecdotes anymore, you know, for, for institutions to hear that we would actually have some, you know, hard data around this as well, because, uh, you know, that's still the, uh, you know, what we're, what we're living in too is, oh, we need the data to see it. So, you know, I'm hoping, fingers crossed, you know, that, that this data, you know, the data from the survey will, will be able to, to, to show, you know, just how, how much, uh, you know, stress uh, by public health professionals have endured over the past two years. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And then, so I'm really curious. So as like some of the background, um, and I'm, I'm sure you've been working on this for so long that um, um, as some of the background, what is some of the literature that you have been able to connect with? Was there much? Did you find at least one or two articles about this that you're able to kind of refer to? Um, yeah, so I would say there's still not much around public health professionals. Um, I think early on, we, we saw a lot of uh, research around just healthcare workers in clinical settings uh, mm. and talking about burnout among uh, folks in clinical settings, right? Because when we think about the healthcare workforce, uh, you know, I think that's the first thought people are thinking about folks that are in hospitals, you know, on the front lines per se. And you not necessarily thinking about the folks that are behind the scenes doing a lot of the work, which is where, you know, a lot of that juicy public health work is happening, right? Behind the scenes. Yeah. So I'll that, yeah, you know, like we're doing the work to, so that the, you know, healthcare workers in, in these clinical settings, uh, you know, aren't burdened, you know, we're, we're doing what we can to, to, to focus on prevention. Uh, so I noticed a lot of research around, you know, focused on those that were treating uh, folks with, you know, COVID-19 and dealing with uh, just the traumas of, of uh, you know, working in a, in a hospital or clinic setting. And uh, still, you know, I would say the, the biggest 
research uh, still today around the U.S. public health workforce and uh, you know what they've endured during the COVID nineteen pandemic is this CDC report that that came out last July because what they got I think over twenty six thousand public health workers from the country like that that's a that's a lot of people right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to show that, you know, over half, 52% of them are, are dealing with some sort of depression, anxiety, PTSD, you know, that, that, that really holds a, a lot of weight to see and, 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 hear, and read that from a, re- a report from the CDC. So um, I'd say in terms of, you know, what my specific focus is on and, and race-based stress and these additional uh, racial traumas that folks have been dealing with uh, during the the COVID nineteen pandemic. Um, there's there's some literature. Again, I've seen more around the healthcare workforce um, and some some good qualitative stuff too. Uh, just going over the experiences that that folks have had of racism, right? And and um, hearing and reading, you know, about stories of Asian healthcare providers who, you know, were dealing with patients who refused to be seen by them because they, you know, were saying that they brought the virus and, you know, having to hear that, like that, you know, that, that level of racism, you know, impacts folks. And so, you know, there is some, some literature out there that really provides more of that qualitative anecdotal information and background to, support, uh, I would say this to support my dissertation, because, you know, we're seeing this happening in, in the healthcare workforce, we're seeing the the types of racism that that people of color are experiencing there. Uh, You know, let's, let's see, you know, what's happening with the public health professionals as well. Mm -hmm. I love that. It's so important. And I think your work is so necessary and so needed, because like, like you mentioned, the public health perspective, the public health appearance, and the work that we do during this pandemic is often unseen. We do a lot of the prevention work, a lot of the preventative work, but also, um, yeah, there does need to be a little bit more of that, but that's another story. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a whole nother podcast. Yeah, like preventive (laughs) stuff, right? The proactive, but um, yeah. But, you know, um, I think for the most part, the media sees the pandemic and and the actions that are being taken as a clinical measure. They see that more of an MD approach. They see like um, experts being, um, you know, people who work with primary care and so on. But, you know, the work that is done in epidemiology and public health planning and promotion and programs is it's. Yeah, definitely behind the scenes. It's something that we do. And um, I don't think there's still a, a whole lot of understanding about what we do. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, there's, um, yeah, I would say just, you know, public health is everything, right? So uh, so it is hard to describe public health uh, to, to folks and what we do because we really, uh, you know, you can find public health providers and or public health professionals in, in really any field. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, I, I would say that one, you know, positive, I think, is that I think more folks are becoming more aware of uh, public health as a profession. Uh, you know, I think you know, schools of public health are seeing increases in, in, uh, in um, applications, you know, to, to, to attend these, uh, you know, schools and 
and seeing more interest in you know, majors around public health. So, you know, that it's beautiful to see that, that uh, hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll have the more robust uh, public health workforce, uh, you know, for, for years to come because COVID-19 is really driving this interest in prevention um, and, and not just treatment. So uh, again, you know, that gets back to the research too of why this is important. Let's make sure that, you know, the, the next folks that are, you know, joining the workforce aren't having to deal with the same traumas and race-based stress uh, and, you know, stress and burnout in general that, that we've, so many of us have had to endure the past two years. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for this important work. I, I love this research topic that you've chosen. and I can see in so many ways, so many reasons why this is important. So tell us um, more about the study and how people can participate. Yeah, yeah. So the study, uh, so again, it's on race-based stress and burnout among uh, BIPOC public health professionals. Uh, Right now, the, the study, it's open to any person over the age of 20 that has been part of the U.S. public health workforce uh, sometime in the last two years. Uh, and this can be in any setting because, again, public health is anywhere. So, you know, it, it, if someone was working in the government, you know, whether it's health department, academia, clinical settings, um, really any, any setting where a public health professional uh, has been uh, uh, you know, part of the part of the workforce throughout the past the past two years. Uh, you know, they're they're all uh, welcome to to um, to participate in this in this study. And you know, one exclusion is also they have to believe that COVID is real. So, yeah, no, <laughs> that's, that's unfortunately, you know, uh, that you know that's one of the exclusion criteria that we had to put that this person doesn't believe that COVID is a hoax because, uh, you know, that is also something that is out there too. So you it's have to true. believe that COVID is real to, to take the survey as well. 100%. I mean, you know, there are people who work in the field of public health who may or may not be familiar with public health. We've got people who work um, on different, um, maybe HR, you know, they, they, maybe they work in finance, you know, uh, maybe IT. And they may or may not actually be up to date on what's going on with COVID. They may not believe in it. So I, I agree with you that that's an important um, consideration. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, we wanted to keep uh, keep the, the definition of the public health workforce broad so that we could capture a wide range of experiences of uh, public health workers uh, and, and what they've endured since the pandemic. Um, so... Uh, I'd say I'm really excited to, you know, look through uh, the the qualitative data is because I'm I'm more of a qualitative researcher. Uh, <laughs> so the quantitative, I'm like, okay, I'll analyze all of it, but oh, like the juiciness, like those real, like intimate details, man. That's in the qualitative work, right? Like, yes. I want to, you know, read people's stories and uh, and I want people to feel validated as well. So. You know, that's something I really hope this research can do is, you know, also is just validate the experiences that so many of us have had. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And I totally agree with you. I'm a qualitative person myself as well. Oh, my gosh. Are we twinning again? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, I know you'll put the, the link as well, but uh, just in case, you know, for the, for the podcast as well.
It is tinyurl.com slash public health worker. I would love to be able to share the results of the survey as well. You know, all of this is happening very quick. Like I said, I'm, you know, looking to graduate this spring. So, you know, it's March. So uh, data analysis will be happening within the next few weeks, right? So uh, Mm -hmm. uh, it'll be wonderful to have some results that I can share with folks too. Uh, That's, you know, really what I'm excited for as well. Yeah, I'm excited as well to hear the results and just to further that conversation and bring more awareness to the work that you're doing, which is so important. And so I do want to mention that for this podcast, it is honoring women of color in public health. And we honor you today, April Aviles. Oh, thank you. That's beautiful. I appreciate that more than you know, April. Wishing you all the best, all the motivation and strength and positivity to get you through to your dissertation defense completion. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Honoring Women of Color in Public Health. To learn more about us, visit publichealthpodcasters.com.